Every day, millions of garbage and other litter is dropped into our oceans. Oceans. And as the waves crash, so do the dreams of millions of sea creatures. The dreams of the sea creatures. Some of those sea creatures have kingdoms, and some of those kingdoms have bastard children played by former Game of Thrones actor Jason Momoa, who will come back to exact revenge and get everything darn right to save Atlantis. Atlantis. (laughs) This winter, if you want to save your oceans, buy a ticket and let DC finally be happy that they have a good film. Congratulations, DC. And congratulations, DC, indeed. Hello, everyone. I am your host, Patrick Baylor. This is yet another episode of Son of a Ginger. Son of a Ginger. I'm with my co-host, Mason Moreau. And as you could tell from that, you know, gripping PSA, that we're talking Aquaman. Aquaman. We got another comic book film. I feel like we haven't had one in a minute. At least we haven't talked about one in a minute since what was that Ant Man? Yeah, we've taken we've taken a little bit of a break from the comic book movies, not on purpose, but just because you know there hasn't been a notable one to come out since the last one. I think Ant Man and the Wasp was I'm, the last one. Yeah, I'm kind of glad we didn't see Venom. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah, Venom. Yeah. Uh, and am dying, still dying to see Into the Spider-Verse, as I think you've told me that's a good one. But we ain't talking about those Spider-Mans. We're talking about the Aquaman. The Spider-Mans are not going to be brought up in this podcast. And hey, man, what a splash this flick is. Great, great use of whatever that uh, <laughs> grammar is. Great use of grammar. What an exclamation. Quite a splash. You know, I I really dove into this movie. There we go. <laughs> surrounded it by its beautiful water. Really snorkeled down there? Yes, I, I snorkeled into the story of this film. It's a bit of a stretch, that one. A bit of a trench with my friend Mariana. Nope, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so uh, I I would say it's true. Like, this is, I think, of this extended DC Universe which is just shamelessly a way to make as much money as Marvel is. I wouldn't say shamelessly. I well, think not shamelessly, but they you know. tried. They tried to do something that set them apart and realized that they didn't need to. Yeah, and so with this film, you know, as a follow up to Wonder Woman, it worked. You know, oh, well, I guess this is the first movie after Justice League, isn't it? Wonder Woman was before Justice League, wasn't it? Wonder Woman was after Justice League. Justice League was the first appearance of Wonder Woman. That was Batman versus Superman. Oh, you're right. It was Batman versus Superman, Wonder Woman, then uh, Justice League. Anyway, so yeah, so this comes off the heels of Justice League, and we didn't get a another movie for a while. I'm not sure if the, there are more in the pipeline, but you know, based on how bad you know Suicide Squad did and the poor reception from Justice League, you know. Luckily, you know, Marvel took a step back, or Marvel, luckily DC took a step back and I think assessed what they have that they're confident in, and that can kind of, you know, take them out of the gutter that they had been in. And I think this one enough successfully does it. You know? Yeah, you know, it's it does seem like in the past three years or so, DC as a studio 
stepped back and said, okay, what do we have to work with and what is not working? And what they have to work with is at least the audience knows their characters now. Yes. You know what I mean? So, like, they sort of just took that instead of saying we're going to keep going with the dark stuff we've been doing. They said, well, we'll take the fact that everyone sort of knows what our characters are now and we'll use that as the blank slate for moving forward. Yeah. And I think still the only thing that the DC movies has ever had on the Marvel movies is other than, you know, Justice League and the CGI, as a whole, they are much prettier films. They're I think they're better shot. They have a better because of that grit, they just have that cool, just gritty feel and look to them. Uh so like visually, I think they've always been good, but now they can back it up with story and with Something something that I would happy to be watch I would be happy to watch again. Yeah, visually there's some great color contrast going on. You know what you've got Dolph Lundgren and in surrounded in a sea of blue with this crazy red hair, and then you've got a lots of blues and greens contrasted with, you know, the reds and blacks of Black Manta. And it, like you have oh, all yeah. of these all of these uh, colors that they're actually deciding to use instead of sticking with the grays and uh, dark reds, you know, everything looking like it's covered in soot. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and then, like, because it was set in the ocean, you know, they could... I like that they leaned on, like, you know, the bioluminescence thing that, you know, jellyfish and other, like, you know, super low-dwelling uh, sea creatures do. And, the, yeah, they used what worked with, you know, just, like, nature and stuff to make something look pretty. And, you know, with the previous you know quote-unquote aquaman movie made before this by james cameron in the fictional oh. world of entourage and you know how real life james cameron is making a bunch of avatar sequels one of which is set in like the water world of pandora i wonder if he's like taking a, a few notes from this one you know i feel like the filmmakers of this movie took some notes from avatar's book well yeah because essentially essentially atlantis itself was a giant sprawling sort of hybrid between the uh, underwater city from Phantom Menace and Pandora uh, in the Avatar movies. Yeah. Right. Or the Avatar movie. Maybe a little bit of Wakanda as well. Yeah, a little bit of Wakanda. In in that sense, it's the Wakanda is the fact that they've discovered some MacGuffin that creates infinite energy for everyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What are the like? Do they just have fun water powers or something? They got a bunch of good squirt guns. There's a yeah. They have good squirt guns that give them enough energy, enough renewable energy to sustain themselves and not be burdened with the problems of the surface world. Super soaker. Buy them today for your perfect summer thing. <laughs> Little did you know, every time you buy a super soaker, an Atlantic, an Atlantan kids, an Atlantan kid. Grows his gills. Wow. And honestly, you could probably get them for really cheap. It's almost... It's the dead of winter, so... Right. Get some cheap super soakers. Uh, So, you know, the movie looks cool, and a lot happened in this film. So this is what... This was, you know, another big superhero, two-hour, almost 30-minute film. An almost 30-minute film. Two-hour, 30-minute film. And almost... Yeah, almost clocks in at two hours and 30 minutes. Um, And a lot happens, so... It's not an origin story. So this all takes place afterwards, but we get we get, you know, some good old flashbacks for our origin story. And then, you know, I think this all takes place, you know, after Justice League. He's done his stuff and now he can kind of come to terms with what's been happening with his family and then kind of now finally assume who he is as Aquaman and become 
the king of the deep. And a lot of stuff happens in between all that. All right, so we kind of officially find out that Aquaman has some sort of right to a throne yes. in this one, right? A uh, real Camelot type of thing, real King exactly. Arthur, literally it, it, King Arthur. It's a um, very classic story of uh, an outcast who has some sort of claim who's more destined for the throne than who's actually meant to take it, right? Being Patrick Wilson. Being Patrick Wilson. Yes. Congratulations to Patrick Wilson, because some of the line delivery for his role was borderline cringy. Yeah, because, so, the the side plot, as, you know, Arthur, like, learns about where he's supposed to be in the throne and how to get back down there and claim this throne is, uh, he needs to, you know, stop Patrick Wilson, who wants to get control of all of the kingdoms down in the deep of all these different subsects of uh, different ocean kingdoms, so he can become Ocean Master. The Ocean Master. And as fun as this movie was, that was the cheesiest damn thing oh, I've God. ever seen. They couldn't have come up with a better name for it. like At least Ocean Emperor or something, you know? Yeah, no, not even, like, I don't know, Master of the Seas. Uh, I don't know. 90% of our planet's covered in water. This person's supposed to rule over all of it, and the only name you came up with is Ocean Master? Yeah, that sounds like something that you and I would have made up, you know, playing in the pool, like, as kids, and saying, well, hey, I'm the Ocean Master, and that means you can't touch the Super Soaker until I, till I tag you, and, uh, you know. Exactly. It's like, like you're blowing into a, a pool noodle, and you're spitting water out the end of it, and you're like, I'm the Ocean Master, I control water. <laughs> Or, yeah, like, when you, like, finally figure out, like, in the pool that you can make, like, big waves if you have, like, your elbow down or something. I'm the ocean master. Rah, you know. Or you have a trident and you're about to kill the king of the crabs. And yeah, you that's say, a- <laughs> I'm the ocean master, and you stab them. That's correct as well. So, uh, so yeah, Patrick Wilson's trying to be ocean master, uh, and Jason Momoa as Aquaman doesn't think that's cool, tries to get his right to the throne, all while uh, Mira, played by Amber Heard, who is Patrick Wilson's... I keep forgetting Patrick Wilson's name, so I'm just going to call him Patrick Wilson. Uh, Patrick Wilson's... Who's Ocean Master. Yeah, I'm going to call him Ocean Master. Yeah. Uh, he, she is like his fiance or bride or one or the other. So, yeah, some sort of arranged marriage between the two kingdoms that are humanoids within the seven kingdoms that exist in... Yeah. The ocean. Yeah, so his lady is actively trying to sabotage him, and you go, girl. Yeah, you go, do it. Girl. Do you. You do you, Amber Heard. So if anyone is in a bad relationship, not only either try to get out of it, please try to get out of it, but also sabotage the man, because he don't deserve it. Yes, and let Jason Momoa know that uh, he has a right to your man's throne. And what an upgrade, Amber Heard. Hubba hubba, Jason Momoa. <laughs> hubba hubba. <laughs> They get their moments, but to be honest, I really don't think they had a, a great amount of chemistry on screen. No, not really at all, but... I think that just might be a Jason Momoa problem. Like, they were able to hide it super well in Game of Thrones because the Dothraki guy he played, what was his name? God, it's been so long. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, we can, we can yeah, work When he was this. playing the Dothraki in Game of Thrones, he was supposed to be this sort of dull, brutish man right and yeah was, the fact was, that they had this language barrier and that they, it was also an arranged marriage kind of made sense for their 
lack of chemistry and then you know do some good old HBO things after a couple episodes of getting to know each other. Right. That uh, constitutes the ML, MA, MALV rating, whatever the hell. It's much harder to hide it when they give Jason Momoa plenty of speaking time and plenty of screen time and time to have chemistry with their female actress, which I, I don't know if they tried it or anything, but it really just didn't seem... It, it seemed like everything that came out of Aquaman's mouth was something stupid, snarky, or profound, quippy, or yeah, profound. Yeah. So like he didn't have any sort of real lines. All of the all of the care that we sort of garner for the character comes from the fact that his mother sacrificed so much to get him to where he is. Yeah. And so, like, you you care about him because you know his mother went away, and you know for a fact that in this movie, the mom's going to come back, right? Yeah. You're through For the first hour and 45 minutes, you're just waiting for him to be reunited with his mom. I cared more about the mom than I cared about Aquaman. Yeah. Yeah, you really wanted to see the, the real life, well, real life, far from real life, the fictionalized movie version of a, like, soldier coming home video a little bit. Yeah. Except she's like a POW, so it's even more, more heightened. POW royalty. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, and that's the story. You know, it all works out. Blah blah blah. Things happen. End credit scene that we didn't bother to see because it was a long movie and we had to pee. But yeah, so you talk about the four things that Aquaman was. I felt like this is finally the first DC movie where the character was allowed to have quips and be fun. Right. Yeah, there. It wasn't all dark and brooding, and the world's gonna end because there's a god coming, or uh, you know, Superman is basically god, so we gotta kill him. It was. It was just a world trotting, globe trotting adventure. Yeah, right. And they didn't necessarily bring the scope in a little bit. They widened it Earth wide. I mean, like I guess the Justice League. Justice League's a mess. Let's just forget about Justice League. Go away. We'll think about... That was a rushed film that they could have taken a lot of time on, should have taken a lot of time on, and it could have been way better. I mean, let alone with the VFX people. Sorry, guys. So I guess this is a criticism of Justice League right now, but this movie felt like it had a bigger scope and more at stake than Justice League did, and Justice League is about an intergalactic monster that they have to stop from consuming the earth yeah right this one's about a claim to the throne and about how the ocean people want to take over the surface right Mm -hmm. so already there aquaman's aquaman's got it scope wise it was huge it felt bigger than justice league like i said so i'm just going to come out and say it this movie felt like it was the biggest to pull off. Yeah, you're right. right? Yeah, because, you know, like Wonder Woman was, yeah, much smaller scale. And then all the other films are just all about world building, world building, world building. Where are the sequels? Where's more movies? This one, yeah. It, it, it finally wasn't a placeholder. You yeah, know? it felt like we were watching someone's vision. It felt like we were watching something that someone took careful time writing a screenplay and handed it off to a director who had a very, very distinct vision for what he wanted for it. James Wan, you know, obviously he's he's made a name for himself in horror, and, like, and it's, it's really become the trend to hire these directors who have 
excelled in their field and bring them on and see what they can do with a superhero. Yeah, with a John right? Root guy, yeah. Uh, so I think he, I think James Wan deserves a pat on the back. He's really, really done uh, a lot to help defibrillate the DC universe. Yeah, man. Right? And if it's in DC's best interest, like, you know, Zack Snyder, I think, you know, finally has taken his step away. If they want to double down, I think it'd be very wise to, you know, have him maybe take some of the helm. You know, we talk about, you know, we've talked about before them not having that same creative leader. And, you know, I hope they do have it now since, you know, all of the new various uh, acquisitions that has happened with Warner Brothers and everything to where they can maybe now have finally like a clearer vision. Um, in like having someone like a Kevin Feige, but... Having someone like, you know, Joss Whedon or the Rousseau brothers, you know, having those guys and having someone like that to, you know, be able, you can trust to direct the big films. I think they finally now have that in James Wan that Zack Snyder couldn't necessarily deliver on when he was at that helm. Zack Snyder has openly uh, proclaimed that he works best when he's working from source material. Which what's his best then? Right, Watchmen is his best. Yeah, you're right. Uh, which is a page or shot by shot remake of the comic, right? So when it comes to having creative vision and creative drive, Zack Snyder fails. Right? Yeah, because he was he was the wrong person to hire to helm your cinematic universe because you have to have the identity of filmmaking along with your superhero movies yeah, right that's what has made marvel so good yeah instead of literally looking at a comic book or a graphic novel and using those be your storyboards you know it's saying what can we use from this instead of saying we'll use this yeah so taking a step back and sort of reassessing was a great move i enjoyed it from i wouldn't say i enjoyed it from start to finish because there were some parts where it dragged on uh, but I enjoyed everything that was trying to be made. Like, there were plenty of genre hops that happened in this movie, right? Yeah. So um, I'll go out and say right now, essentially the plot of this movie is backwards Black Panther, right? <laughs> so it's uh, Aquaman is the outsider that has a claim to the throne. He's the Killmonger. He's Yeah, Aquaman is Killmonger. Aquaman is the villain from Black Panther. And the actual ruler of the Kingdom of Atlantis is the evil one who, you know, has a bloodline or whatever. Yeah. And he just wants to take over the surface world, right? So in that way, it's kind of derivative, but I feel like this movie was in the process of being made before Black Panther came out. Yeah, they're made They're each made in a vacuum, so, like, you can't really... You can't really fault one or the other for... Right? It's it's all based on Shakespeare, anyway. It's for the same reason why we, you know, we have two different... uh two different Jungle Book movies out right now or, you know, how, you know, Armageddon and uh, Deep Impact or whatever come out at the same time, you know, like any movie where... Uh, yeah, so it's basically Black Backwards Black Panther. Blackwards Panther. Blackwards Panther, yeah. Um, and so in that way, I guess a little bit derivative, but it, as we said, couldn't fault it. Um, but if we talk about, like, derivatism thing, this movie, like... It had like, you know, kind of like a, and maybe just because, you know, it's like a 
we definitely had like a star and like, you know, the star was kind of like known for like being a big dude. It had like, like a little bit of like an eighties, nineties action movie vibe that, you know, maybe like Arnold Schwarzenegger would have been in or, uh, well, Dolph Lundgren was I mean, in this literally Dolph Lundgren. Yeah. That, that's the best thing about this movie is that it understands that its audience just wants to sit down in a chair and have a good time, see some special effects and, uh, enjoy a story that's not going to make you leave the theater reassessing your life decisions or whatever, but you're going to be walking away and say, like, I enjoyed myself. That was a lot of fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was tons of pretty colors. It was a straight-up eye candy, and there wasn't anything offensive. Yeah, and also, like, story-wise, you know, like, uh, they did do, you know, like, a double villain thing, villain side plot, you know, villain A and then villain B with uh, Black Manta, and I think that will be cool because, like, I think it worked. I think he will come back for another, you know, another one. If DC is now confident in making more films, I'd like to see him, you know, maybe join, maybe not a Suicide Squad movie, but like, you know, like at the end of either Justice League or Batman versus Superman, uh, you know, all the villains were like getting together and like with like, you know, Lex Luthor. And like, I was like, oh, maybe this could be a cooler villain thing instead of these B-list villains that have nothing to say. Right. I, I, I could see him in that. That'd be cool, you know? Right. And that's, I feel like the the villain problem in this movie is where the old DC is still coming through because they they put two villains on in, in the movie and they I feel like they did try to stress that they have equal importance, right? Yeah. The, the one villain is Aquaman's half-brother, the other villain, Aquaman, killed his dad. And so they both sort of have equal right to be attacking Aquaman. Yeah. Uh, but they should have picked one or the other. You know what I mean? Like, it it could have been a cat and mouse game with Black Manta and Aquaman. It could have been a claim to the throne movie. It didn't have to be both. And they could have shaved some time off of that off of this movie if they had just gone one direction and not tried to do this. But... Black Manta is also the one that's going to get people in the seats. So I sort of understand that because you know it's it's going to get comic book fans in the seats. Yeah, he's a he's definitely a cooler villain, you know. Super cool. Like, Super cool armor. Yeah, cooler, yeah, cooler character and yeah, yeah, wait, cooler looking, if anything. Cooler looking, yeah. Yeah. Like every time he showed up uh though I would say once he had his helmet on, I would say he did kind of look like a Power Rangers oh, villain. Oh, he looks silly. Yeah. Because you know how, like, if you watch, like, an old Power Rangers show, like, it's, like, very, like, overstated, like, movement, and I, I'm doing my best to tell y'all on, with just my voice, but, you know, a lot of shaking, a lot of moving around, letting everyone know that, something's happening. I feel like you could brush up against him when walking down the street and some sparks would, like, fly off of his suit. Right? Yeah, almost like he's, like, you know, a pro wrestler or something. Exactly, right? It, it is over-exaggerated, but at the same time, it's comics accurate or at least accurate to how his character is modeled in injustice 2 which is a super fun fighting game yeah he's and he he, is fun to fight as and yes and he looks just like he does in injustice 2 which is you know great and the comics accurate costumes are what are going to get those super comic book nerds into the seats because they just want to see what their favorite characters look like moving around and and i think that yeah you bring that the comic book fans up those are the people that are going to be watching this multiple times. They're the people that are going to be, you know, 
buying the special edition Blu-rays and merch for this movie. So I think right. the fact that you know they did add some elements to appease those fans, I think will help DC, at least financially, in the, in the long run. But also with making some new fans because, hey, those a lot of those DC comic book fans have kids. And, you know, instead of getting those kids the Iron Man lunchbox, those kids might now have the Aquaman lunchbox, you right. know? And they really didn't try to... Like, Aquaman being proven as a badass superhero has been an uphill battle, right? The The story of Aquaman is he controls fish, he can talk to fish, and he's the king of the ocean. Fish, fish, fish. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to prove that Aquaman is badass... And in the comic book run, uh, in the DC Rebirth comic book run, when they sort of restarted everyone's story again, they made Aquaman a badass. And they sort of figured out how to, how to make him someone that people will see and be like, wow, that's so cool. So they, you know, they took a page out of the DC Rebirth book. They've done their best to make Aquaman a badass, and it works. Yeah. And you know what also works is they took a page. They didn't take every damn page, you know. They blended what worked with the comic and right. still made their unique film. And they still realize they're working in a different medium. Totally agree. And they make the medium not even medium. It's on high. It's the best around. Anyway, uh, before we depart, Mason, I would say one thing you and I both noticed and I think snickered at a couple times during this movie is... There's, this movie was very memeable, not only Super memorable, memeable. not only memorable, mem- memorable, but memeable. What was your favorite memeable moment of the film? So there's a scene where uh, Amber Heard they're in Sicily, and she falls into a wine store, a wine shop, wine market, and the whole thing about her is her character can control water and she can she can manipulate water and do all this water. Stuff you know, water, water's her thing. She's a waterbender. Um, what what element again? Water. If y'all listen to this again, maybe do like a drinking game with how many times we say water or wet. This is a high quality H two O podcast. Do it with some wine. Uh, but yeah, so she can control water. She falls in to this wine shop, and she straight up controls the water in the wine to make these wine blades. And she's like, ah, and she like shoots these wine blades at the bad guys, and it's super cool. <laughs> and it just reminded me of any type of meme about white girls or whatever. I it, it just seemed like perfect for a white girl meme. Like when when Friday comes around after a long week, you know what I mean? And then there's just a video of Amber Heard. Blah, yeah, and wine's coming up. Bring the ladies out. The wine's coming out. That's what the one sound makes, right? Uh, the minute my friends walk into the door on a Saturday. <laughs> Blah! Perfect. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I love that part. Also, yeah, just to keep with uh, with Mira, 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 Mira. Was that her name? Yeah, Amber Heard's character. Uh, there was another one, and it was super quick and dumb, but it made me giggle. Uh, I think she's just playing a flute for an extended period of time. Oh, uh, Yes. I would just love to see something, you know, like on Twitter or Instagram where they just get rid of that audio and then just put in Future's mask off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's how it sounds. So good. Uh, So that'd be goofy and fun. Also, I just enjoy that song much more because I went to Music Midtown the other year 
And he played that song and he brought all of his kids out and they danced to it. And it made me say, wow, future, you're a cool dad. Anyway. He brought his kids out on stage? Yeah, like all five of them. And yeah, they were all just like dancing to mask off. And I was like, this is this is pleasant. Thanks, future. So, so Mara will be playing that and future's kids will be dancing yet again. If we keep going on too long, we're going to turn into something wet. A wet blanket, that is. So, oh, that's funny. we will wrap up. Patrick, what did you think of this movie? Oh, wait, I wanted to do one, but that works too. Um, wait, where am I? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Oh, but like the future, I think our future holds that we need to go and put a blanket that is wet on this. That was bad. <laughs> it's all right. Blanket. Patrick, what did you think of this movie? Uh, overall, a fun flick, you know, not the best movie I've ever seen, but there was not one point where I said, man, get me out of here. I enjoyed the cheesy parts. It's fun to groan at a movie now and then because, you know, we did it amongst friends. Oh, we were laughing and laughing at all the cringy parts. You know, like that's, that is part of the fun of going to see some of these movies is that when you see something that is just horrible, that doesn't work, you can laugh at it to yourself. And for those bad parts, those bad parts worked in that I still had fun watching them. So right. uh, whether you want to watch this because you love every damn shot or you want to hate watch it, this movie is kind of good for both. So I think it definitely deserves a viewing, maybe even a repeat viewing along the way. Mm-hmm. It had its parts that succeeded. It had its parts that failed. In my opinion, it is one of the better DC movies, and it makes me excited to see what's coming up, uh, especially in uh, Shazam. Shazam, I'm very excited for oh, because yeah. it's, I feel like it's the first one to be made from the ground up post the DC all in their heads about being dark yeah. bullshit. It's a little bit, yeah, it's their Marvel movie that, you know, is kind of like their Guardians of the Galaxy, if anything. Right. Uh, but hey, that's the future. And like future, we're going to take our masks off and turn our microphones off. But we, before we turn our microphones off, Mason, how can our listeners listen to us? You can listen to us on the Google Play Store, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. Pretty much anywhere where you can receive a podcast. Spotify's free. Just download it and put it on your computer and search up Son of a Ginger just for that because we know that plenty of people download Spotify just to listen to our podcast. When I went on my Spotify year review, it said, you listen to some podcasts, and it was... New York Times, The Daily, and then us. So I was like, cool, I'm super well-read. Well awesome. Listened. We showed up on someone's year-in-review on Spotify. I'm, I'll take that as a win. Does that just mean I'm a major narcissist? Who knows? Find out on the next episode of Son of a Ginger. What will happen? 